one of my favorite Penn State football players of all time. We got Adam Talaferro here with us. Yes, sir. And, and I see what the program is now. It's light years ahead of where I think all of us thought it would have been when all the stuff went down years ago. So for them to be where they're at now, winning double-digit games, hey, man, I, I'm good with it. I mean, uh, Coach Franklin, man, he, he's done so much to transform the program. Uh, hey, do we want to see them beating the Ohio State and Michigan? Yeah, all of us want to see that, but these are the best teams in the country. We just happen to be in the same division as them. Do you have the the the, the Coach Paterno voice down? Yeah, Everyone has. Coach, man, like, I remember my first week we were in training camp. And you know, like all of us, everybody was the man in high school, right? And then you get up there and I'm playing corner and um, I was I was guarding Brian Johnson. EJ was a wide receiver, you know, first round draft pick. Yeah. And he burned me and I like laid down on, on the field for like 10 seconds. The coach was like, Tyler Farrell, I'll send you back to South Jersey. I'm like, oh, like I just got here. I'm trying to find my way, man. Coach Paternal, I learned more about him after I got injured because, you know, as a freshman, you know, we're not really interacting with the head coach too much. I mean, you dealing with your position coach, your coordinators. When I got hurt, man, he would come down every Thursday. I was in the hospital for eight months. He came down every week to see me in the hospital. I'm like, dude, like, I can't play anymore. But he, like, just, I saw how much he cared about us as as men, even out off the football field, because I can no longer play anymore. So. So guys, we got the merch. We have hats, shirts, hoodies, we got it all. Make sure you hit the link in the description, check it out. You guys keep buying the merch, it allows us to produce this pod and continuing to bring you guys dope content. So go check it out, make sure you tag us at State Media PSU. And when you get yours, make sure you shout us out, we'll give you a shout out online. Check it out, looking forward to the support and we appreciate you guys as always. All right, Penn State fans, we're back with the pocket. Got my man B-Bell here um, and a very special guest, uh, one of my favorite Penn State football players of all time. We got Adam Talaferro here with us. Yes, sir. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Adam, we, we, we try to make the pocket, and we're just going to dive right in here, but we try to make the pocket uh, as former Letterman running this thing kind of a uh, an outlet for, for us yeah. to talk, chop it up, reconnect, the whole nine. I think it's really important. So one thing I like to give all of our guests is the floor to open up and give your state of the program. And I know it's a big thing, and we're going to dive into some more things here. Let's start off Adam Talaferro's state of the program right now. Uh, well, well, first, Hack, B-Bell, man, I appreciate you guys for having me. It's, it's an honor to be with you guys, man. And I tell people, you know, I got to Penn State in 2000, was, was my freshman year. From 2000 to 2005, 2004, we didn't win a whole lot of games. We went to one bowl game. It, it was a struggle, man. And, and I see what the program is now. It's light years ahead of where I think all of us thought it would have been when all the stuff went down years ago. So for them to be where they're at now, winning double-digit games, Hey, man, I'm good with it. I mean, uh, Coach Franklin, man, he's done so much to transform the program. Uh, Hey, do we want to see them beating the Ohio State and Michigan? Yeah, all of us want to see that. But these are the best teams in the country. We just happen to be in the same division as them. So it's a work in progress. Those guys, I'm sure all of us have been through it. 
those guys on the field, those guys in the building want to win more than any other fan that's watching the game from the sidelines. So I just think man, I support those guys wholeheartedly, man. That's facts. That's facts. And before we get too uh, deep into the game, I, I just want to ask you, so you touched on Coach Franklin, you know, what he's done in the program. Yep. And what's it like been for you, like you said, coming from uh, when you were here, it wasn't too bright of days, uh, but just coming, being back around the program, saw you at Michigan, chopping up with Spice and your old guys. And yeah. I'm sure teammates, you know, that's what I kind of feel like this pocket, the pocket is about is, is bringing that same sideline feel, you know, just – Online to the podcast, you know, as you said, a letterman. What's it been like being around the program? I've seen you around a ton. Um, I feel like Coach Franklin has built that family aspect. Seriously, though, and I'd like to see more guys kind of, you know, come back up and just just get into it. Yeah, man, that's I said that's what drew me to Penn State. Even when I was getting recruited, shoot, twenty three years ago, man, it's just I remember going to games as a recruit and seeing guys on the sideline, just like. Like it was a family. Like I'm like these dudes played here back in like the '60s and '70s, and they were like welcoming welcoming them back. Like they just got finished playing. So when I finished up playing, and even after I got hurt, you know, I only played in five games at Penn State. I got hurt my freshman year, and the way that this program treated me from the moment I got there to after my injury, it, it's a special place, man. And it brings a smile to my face to be able to go back there and see guys that I played with talk to guys that played after me like you guys that we all went through the same experience and all that we may have played for different coaches it, it, it's a brotherhood and it, it's something I'll, I'll always cherish man it makes me feel like I'm a kid again because we all you know we all work our daytime jobs we we go through struggles and stresses throughout the week but to be able to spend three or four hours on the sideline and just rem- reminiscing about old days because for all of us that's probably some of the best times of our lives being a part of that Penn State football program so be, being able to relive that and, and share that yeah. stories with those guys, man, it's priceless. And I, I feel so fortunate because I know we all know guys that played at different colleges, and it's not that same vibe at, at a lot of other big schools. So for, so for us to have that and for Coach Franklin to have created that is uh, special, man. It really is. Yes, sir. I, I will say this, Adam. You, you were around, you know, when we got there. And, again, that was, like, so tumultuous, yep. up and down. We had, you know, OB, and then he's gone, and then Coach Franklin comes in. So there was a lot of moving parts and that is a testament to our entire Letterman group. I think it's, the, if not the most powerful, one of the most powerful and tight-knit in the country. Yeah. Um, and I still think that there's a lot more room for us to continue yeah. to get back together, yeah. which is which is the great thing, right? Um, I'm going to jump into a quick question, though, because I, I've been – I grew up in Virginia. I was born in northeastern PA, grew up yeah. in Virginia. My wife's a Jersey girl. I'm down here in South Jersey now. Um I'm, I, I was helping my, my guy, Bill Bell, yeah. coach, but Adam, I'll tell you this, this is like Billy, Billy was a little bit of a, a, a mythical figure when you, when you start talking to these coaches about high school ball, but your name came up a bunch. You were an Eastern guy, right? Yeah. Eastern regional. Yeah, yeah. East. And you, you got your own little like Allen Iverson type S. That's what I compare everything to. Like the beach kind of has their own lore and guys. Like if you, if you got some guys that, that have played and you got guys talking about 20, 23, 24, 25 yeah. years later, you had yourself a little lore, dude. I was like, dang, yeah. bro, here we go. Yeah, it was good times. You know, B-Bell, you went to Oakcrest, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and all like, I feel like South Jersey, man, it was, it, it was just, we, we felt like we had to get our respect in so many occasions. Because we think about high school football, man, you think about Texas, California, mm-hmm. Ohio, PA. And I know even you had been playing in Virginia, man. It's like we all try to make a name for ourselves. So I remember I – 
I wanted to play varsity when I was a freshman. I played freshman football. I was like, man, I got to like, you know, step it up and, uh, you know, play varsity my sophomore through, through, uh, senior years. But like all of us, we just want to perform, man. Any chance we got out there to make a play and, and put our best foot forward. You know, my dream from the age of seven was to play in the NFL one day. And, and when, you know, when I started getting recruited, you know, my, my sophomore year, it was like, Hey, it's time to, it's time to go out there and do our thing. And you guys, man, I'm honored because you guys, much more than I did in high school, man. I was, you know, I was just running for my life out there half the time. But, uh, you know, when I got the, I went up to Penn State after my sophomore year. I got injured, broke my collarbone my sophomore year in the third game. So I was out the entire season and I wasn't getting recruited by anybody. But I went to Penn State football camp and was fortunate enough to catch some of their eyes. And they, you know, kept their eye on me my junior year and offered me a scholarship at the end of my junior year. And I was locked in, man. And I'd never been to Penn State before. And, I, you know, I'm driving out there like, where the hell are we going? It's, Mountains, all pastures, like man, this is crazy. But right. uh, at that time, Coach Patron was like, "Hey, you come, you'll get the opportunity to play as a freshman." And for me, that's what that's what locked me in because you know, Coach wasn't really playing too many freshmen back then. But he said, "You know, if you if you come, because they were thin in the secondary, so like, you come, you'll get to play." So that's what was an intriguing uh, opportunity for me, and I, you know, I'm thankful. You know, although I, I had a career life altering injury my fifth game my freshman year. I'm just thankful for that opportunity because as you know, we all know, a lot of people would love to the opportunity to play football at Penn State. It's special. Right. Right. Dude, man, I well one, two things. Uh first I'll say just my story is kind of similar, you know, and just speaking to South Jersey and getting that respect, you know, because people talk Jersey football, but they're talking about up north, the Don Bosco's, the St. Yep. Peter's. So I feel like South Jersey, which is coming along now, is a lot of talent, a lot of better talent. Any coaches, uh, whoever's listening out there, is talent down there, which I think it's it's definitely a you know witness now. But you know, same thing. I wasn't necessarily a Penn State fan. You know, I was a fan of college football, the big name schools or the the flashy schools. I'll say back then, the Miami and Virginia yep. Tech, uh, going yep. down to Hack part of town, even Ohio State. I'll admit it. Um, <laughs> But then, yeah, same thing. I took my first visit, and it was it was a wrap. It was a wrap. I mean, after I got the Penn State offer, more schools came in, Ohio State and the other schools. But I was like, I think you know, I'm not I'm not interested in getting more offers. I found you know my home because even through all the you know tumultuous times that that was, they told me national TV, yeah, and a hundred plus thousand in the stadium. I'm like, I'm sold. You know, coming from little old man's land of New Jersey where football wasn't, you know, the the thing that shut the town down. I was like, look, I want to be in front of the bright lights, in front of all these people in a great university. You know, as we spoke on the alumni, the network, the education, it all made sense to me, even through the turmoil that we were going through. And I think that's where Hack and I and that class, we all kind of connected because, you know, we, we set out to accomplish, you know, everything we wanted to. And we got that out of a, a college, you know, experience. And then uh, I want to ask you about Joe Pa. You brought up Joe Pa. Yeah. What can you, what, what, because I never met the man, you know, mm-hmm. never met the man. They started recruiting me after his passing that next year or the next few months. So I got recruited by Ron Vanderlinden, who was a part of his staff. But, Andy. yep, yep, the OB, a crew. And yeah. uh, what's something you kind of keep with you about Joe Pa? Whether it's a quote, a story, guys always telling me, you know, funny things or serious things. <laughs> that you keep with you uh throughout your life do you have do you have the 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 coach paterno voice down yeah, everyone so has. Funny, man like i remember my first week we were in training camp 
And you know, like all of us, everybody was the man in high school, right? And then you get up there and I'm playing corner and um, I was, I was guarding Brian Johnson. EJ was a wide receiver, you know, first round draft pick. Yeah. And he burned me and I like laid down on, on the field for like 10 seconds. And coach was like, Tyler Farrell, I'll send you back to South Jersey. I'm like, oh, like I just got here. I'm trying to find my way, man. But I, I, I tell you, man, like Coach Paterno, I learned more about him after I got injured because, you know, as a freshman, you know, we're not really interacting with the head coach too much. I mean, you dealing with your position coach, your coordinators. When I got hurt, man, he would come down every Thursday. I was in the hospital for eight months. Mm-hmm. He came down every week to see me in the hospital. I'm like, dude, like, I, I can't play anymore. But he, like, just – I saw how much he cared about us as as men, at, even out, off the football field because I could no longer play anymore. So – when I got back to school that next year, he was like, on me, like, you know, what do you want to do with your life? You know, now I want to be a sports agent. So that's why I went to law school. He wrote my letters of recommendation for law school. So I tell people that, that there's a lot of coaches out there that, you know, of course, care about us as, as, as players. But from the heart, man, he, he took an interest in me, making sure that I succeeded in life off the field. And that's something I'll, I'll always be forever thankful for. And I know all, all of us that played for different coaches, man, um, we, we saw that, but that was the, that was the one thing I tell people all the time. Like you hear about coaches caring about players off the field, but he really proved it to me when I could no longer play anymore. He made sure that I got out of that I graduated and that I was right with with law schools and everything. It's like whatever you need, I got you. And uh, I'll always be forever thankful for him for giving me an opportunity to play at Penn State and also for for what he did after I got injured. Respect. That's respect. Mm-hmm. That's common theme I hear from everybody that's played for coach and that whole thing's a shame the way it all went down but I think when you have that many people talking about a man like that it's undeniable and that's it's it's just good to hear and it's good to hear people talk about it because that whole deal was was tough but deep down you know you knew he had he didn't have a malicious bone in his body he really did care about every single one of you guys which is awesome I think that's how I think that's how it yeah should be. And, and you know the thing that really also resonated with me like he tried to make sure we were connected to the guys that played before us and that's why I see with, with coach Franklin I mean I mean I was on board of trustees when yeah. when coach Franklin got hired and first time I met him he, he like all of it he made you feel like you knew him forever like man this dude like really like wants to keep this family tradition going and again, to see like all you like, we never played on the same rosters, but to see the bond that all the guys have from years. But now I feel like old school, man. I'm like, damn, I'm, you know, I've been out of Penn State almost 20 years. This is it's crazy. Got to slow this time down. We creeping up on 10. I think I'm, I feel you, man. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I'm, yeah, best that is. Best that is. But, um, Last thing before we um, you know get out of here, appreciate your time during these holiday time. You know, like Hack said, you're a legend, Penn State legend, but a South Jersey legend as well. Um, kind of give us, you know, season's not over, but give us your positives, negatives, your takeaways from uh, this season so far, and what do you see for the future? Hey, you know, I, I think from a, a, a positive standpoint, it's like this team is they're growing, you know, and, and Hack could probably speak to this more than anybody. Just you know, Drew was, you know. New quarterback, he's he's learning every week. Uh, there's so much more. Pre- I feel like there's just so much more pressure on these guys now, man. From whether it be social media, you know, just outside influences, you know, nil, all those things. And I just feel like people got to just let these guys grow, let these guys play, and 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 understand where we're at. I mean, these guys won nine games. 
these guys are going to win 10, the chance to play in the New Year's Day Bowl, like, I know when I was there, we would have died for that. Like, we would have been like, yes, like, this is is a great season. So I feel like, it's okay. I mean, Penn State, we want to have high expectations, but I feel like people sometimes got to just take a step back and look at where the team is at. You know, right. this, the defense play, uh, as a defensive guy, man, I'm just so proud of the way the defense has just played championship football all season. And, and, and the offense, yeah. hey, you know, they got to they gotta continue to grow, and that's all we can ask. And, and my thing is, you, you watch every game, they're, they're playing their hearts out, man. It's not for lack right. of effort. Right. We're putting in the work. So I, I just say, man, just everyone take a deep breath and look, look at the, the big picture. Because you look at schools like USC – who are struggling? You look at you know look at all, a lot of these big name schools that aren't. Florida is it? Let's let, let's let's be appreciative of, of what we got and the successes that we've had, and and uh, you know go to this bowl game and keep building for for years to come. Amen to that. Amen to that. <laughs> well, Adam, like uh, like B said, we appreciate it, bro. We're looking forward to seeing you up there more. Looking forward to. To giving you guys and you again this outlet, whatever you want to hop yeah, on, please. just let us know. No, nah, man. Um, I just, uh, I got to say, man, on behalf of all the Letterman, man, just thank you guys for doing this, man, because I know you guys can be doing many, many other things with your time and talent, but for you to give guys like myself and so many guys this platform, man, just, just keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate it. We appreciate it, bro. Enjoy your yes, we you, man. Get that beer still some, somewhere, Philly, South Jersey, somewhere. I'll come to you. No matter. Man, let's do it. Let's do it. I look forward to it. Appreciate you, Adam. All right, you guys take care, man. You will. All right, see ya. What's up, everybody? If you are a college football fan like me, if you know a college football fan that's in your life, you need to go cop this shirt. New designs dropping all the time. It's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. Great material, great fabric. I wear it all the time. Go get yours today. So, folks, uh, that was Adam Talaferro. Um, B, thanks for setting that one up. Uh, great guy. Awesome representation of the program. Of the program, as uh, my guy Pat, Pat, uh, Pat McAfee would say. Um, yes, sir. Kind of piggybacking off that, bro. You know, we're, 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 we're bringing it home. Um, Beaver Stadium is done for the year. Uh, we got a Black Friday showdown in a quote-unquote neutral site up at uh, Ford Field with the uh, Michigan State Spartans. Um, and to piggyback off your last question, you know, positives and negatives of this year, B. What what do you got for me, man? I think it's I think it's important to evaluate. I thought Adam I thought Adam did a great job of just painting the picture. You know, I, last week, even we here at the pocket were pretty pretty rough on the whole outlook, but um, I thought we were also fair and and said some things that needed to be said. But um, in the grand scheme of things, like a lot of positives to take away from this year. Um, there's some negatives that we definitely got to build on expectations that were set both internally and externally by the program. And, and, you know, some of those things they can't control, you know what I mean? You have two of the best teams in the country in your conference at the end of the day, they expect a place like Penn state to keep up. Right. And that's just, again, the big business, Adam talked about it. You got to give these kids time, but realistically speaking, no one's, no one's giving this time because of how big this, this business of college football has gotten in my opinion. So I know that was a mouthful, but what do you got for me? Positives and negatives this season? No, that's everything you said was 100% facts. That's the business of what we're in now. You know, college football as a whole, it's 
we keep talking about it's getting more similar to the pro style, which is what have yeah, you man. done for me lately? You know, yeah. which is unfortunate for the kids and the people that get scolded, but too, they, that is the these business. These kids, though, yeah. too, get it earlier, right? I mean, like, we were under yeah. a microscope when we were getting recruited in high school, but still, we were also, like, we had our time to be kids. Like, we could still, you mm-hmm. know, our, our Twitters weren't being scanned for stupid stuff that we said. Like, <laughs> it wasn't happening at that speed at that time. But these kids are under such a microscope from the time they're sixth, seventh, eighth grade now with seven on seven ball and, and rivals and twenty four seven infiltrating that. Like it's just the way it's going, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't <laughs> fight it. You can't fight it. It is but what it is. In terms of Penn, in terms of Penn State, I mean you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the season only feels, you know, like you said, we rip, you know, we didn't even rip, but we got a little harsh, you know came down in our program a little bit only because the expectations were set so high as they should be. And we're not going to, that's not going to change. That shouldn't change. Uh, so the things I'm proud of and positive from the season is that championship defense. Adam spoke about, you know, that's something not to be, you know, forgotten, not that we were perfect and number one in every category, but that, you know, as a defensive guy, you know, the team should help hold their head high and continue to hold their head high on that performance and definitely continue to please finish the season <laughs> off that way. <laughs> don't uh, don't yeah. let the foot off the gas. And offensively, I mean, I think we, we cannot forget that, not that it was all on this quarterback, this young kid, but obviously that position, he's at the helm. But this was his first, his first really, you know, piece of his resume out there. You know, I had a little – had a little taste last season, but this was his first true, you know, season, in my yeah. opinion, at least. And I think there's a lot to build from. I think there's a lot to build from. I mean, I was going to ask you that at the yeah. end of this pod, you know, what's something, where do you go into the season? Yeah, you we'll, don't have to yeah, answer we'll that down, because I do want to ask you later. Yeah. Moving on. And I think the offense, offense has, everyone has room to improve. Obviously, the offense is more visible. And as we spoke about, it's going to lay a lot on, you know, what OC comes in. But from my perspective, I don't care. As a player, if I'm on that offensive, you know, roster right now, whether I'm a guy that's been out there or a guy that wants to get Seymour Field, I'm taking it internally. What do I need to do? What am I going to do this offseason to become yeah. a guy? Or if I'm already a number one on the roster, what am I going to do to become that X factor? You know, that's the yeah. things that I'm looking forward to. And, and I hope that the kids kind of have that same, you know, you know, mentality because opportunity is is still right there in your hand. I mean, yeah. As we said, we're we're still a few plays away from, you know, eclipsing that you know that status of where we want to yeah, be. Yeah. So so I'll jump my positives. So, I'll let you get your negatives. I'll jump into my negatives after that. But we're still on the verge of a ten win season, right? Like ten win season is a ten win season. We're on the verge of it. The defense you touched on, like that's that's something that has always been a staple of Penn State and something that we can hang our hat on. And I'm happy that even through change with coordinators and all this other stuff that's happened, that's been, it's been a pretty consistent thing. Um, Another potential new year six bowl. Right. And with that, it's another opportunity to probably beat or, uh, you know, play against a top 10 team, which for coach Franklin, the more opportunities he gets with that is only going to help him eliminate the narrative of not being able to overcome that. So 
it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, to me, that's a positive. You're going to get another opportunity on another national stage to go against the top 10 program and, and see what happens. Um, and then I thought they did handle adversity well. You know, you, you, ups and downs, you get beat by Ohio State, you come start a little slow against Indiana, finish strong, put a great performance on against Maryland, um, who we seem to have their number and they seem to be able to get in dogfights with the best of them. So, you know, I think it's a little bit of a head scratcher, but um, and then we, you know, shit the bed again, for lack of a better term, with Michigan. But then they come out and and with a with a with with two guys as co-offensive coordinators trying to figure out their identity and getting a rhythm, you know, end up end up pulling away at the end with Rutgers. So I thought just overall they've handled all the noise and all the expectations and adversity as good as you could expect a bunch of 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids to do. Right. Right. I mean, I, I tweeted it and Adam touched on it, but like it could be USC right. bad. And I know for a lot of fans, you know, some people are with me. Some people are like, oh, it doesn't care. What's our standard? And of course, our standard doesn't change. But yeah, to step back and keep perspective of this whole college football landscape. And I know people want the, you know, the elite status, but 10 and 2, 9 and 2, New Year's Eve bowl game, it beats 7 and 3 from a, you know, national championship contender like a USC yeah. was. Or, there's plenty of schools we can name that have also have very high expectations that came nowhere near close to meeting those. Um, so just perspective and to just, you know, I said it last week, Dawn Staley quote, establishing dominance takes yeah. time. And we're good. Sometimes we look great, but we're not. Well, I'll jump, I'll jump on my negatives now because that's a perfect segue, right? Like I thought, I thought, we never reached our potential offensively and ultimately that led to a change. But I think the most disappointing part about that is that throughout that whole growth, right. And I'm not expecting the growth to be linear, like straight up and down. Like I understand that there's always hiccups in that, on that graph, um, no matter how you cut it, it's, a, it's an imperfect game. Um, there's so many variables you really can't expect it to be that way, but I think it was the way we played, right? Like, Again, after that Maryland game, we thought the tides were turning, you know, they're starting to get a rhythm. And then it was just a very similar type of feel to the Ohio State game. And uh, that was really bad. I mean, it's just what it was uh, offensively. And I'm again, I'm just going to cut the pie right. in half, like offensively. It was just really bad. And I just think that coupled with the expectations and um, – pressure outside it was just the way we did it right if that was a ohio state or michigan kicks a game-winning field goal with as time expires like i don't think that stings as bad but like we just flat out played like horse shit you know both of those games offensively Mm -hmm. and and like i said i I keep i keep saying it I, i i i truly truly believe it does not come down to the jimmies and joes like i think we have the kids in in the building and on that roster to compete with those guys and, and make those games much more entertaining coming down to those three or four plays. And really both of those games were, were, you know, out of control and out of our hands for, for the vast majority of the game. And it was just the manner in which we lost I was a negative and a disappointing, like it, it was almost like we didn't rise to that occasion and rise moment um, as a unit, which, you know, take that how you want to take it, right? I think that's just – that's how I diagnosed it. That's how I see it. And uh, that's how I'm going to call it. Right. 
Yeah, and that kind of leads to my negative. I mean, you spoke on it throughout those weeks uh, coming after coming off of losses. And it's hard, you know, we're not on the locker room, in the locker room, or on the sideline, or in the practice facility. I'm not going to talk like yeah. I am. We didn't quite see that that uh, that alpha male, that X factor come, you know, rise to the occasion, as yeah. you said, to kind of, you know, ener- energize the this team or the offense, whoever it may be, to kind of, you know, give them that juice to kind of like, okay, things aren't going well, but, hey, we're still swinging. You know, we're going out Duke's flying, you know, as you said, the way we didn't really lose those tough games, you know, throwing all our punches. It didn't seem that way. And I would like to see, you know, the players and whoever it may be step up in those occasions. And I mean, it's tough. Maybe they're not put in the positions to even do that. I don't know, but I would like to see that moving forward. That has to be a key factor in like the offense, you know, obviously a good scheme and all that, but allowing your guys to go be, you know, the dogs that they're training. It's almost like a mindset and a mentality. Like it's like an attacking mindset mentality. And there's so many cliche terms and we're going to get some of this in the mailbag because I did love the one question we got. Um, But there's so many like buzzwords that people use, but like truly the attitude of the offense is to me um, very, very important. I think it should be that. Like, it should be on the offensive. Like, you should be trying to, to, to your point, empty the bag, throw your punches, you know, play the game, box, whether it's some games you may have to come out like Floyd, other games you might have to come out like Tyson and throw your haymakers. Like, you just have to, you have to figure out. And I hope that the personality that we're going to bring in, um, can take control of all the different variables that may come into him being able to do that. Um, and, and, and just, just let the fucker fly for lack of a better, I mean, just, just breed confidence into the players, breed confidence into everybody else in that building. And, and when you get these types of opportunities, you know, it's only going to become more, we talked about it last, last week, like you're only going to get more opportunities against marquee programs, the Oregon's, the Washington's of of the country now coming into the conference. Like you're only going to continue to get more of these. So like we beat everyone we were supposed to beat, according to Vegas this year, we lost to everyone we were supposed to lose to like I think there's just the dissemination of talent across college football with the transfer portal, all this other stuff that's going on. Like, I think you just need to understand that, that when you get these types of opportunities, it's, it's gotta become second nature. And like you hinted at earlier, like more of that, like NFL mentality where on any given Sunday, the worst team in the league, like I I was on the worst team in the league for three years basically. <laughs> and like at any given time, the worst team in the league can come out and, 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 and beat the best team. It's just a matter of, it's right. just a matter of, are they right. confident? Are they in the right positions? And that, that, that comes down to that holistic approach. So um, I don't want to, I don't want to beat a dead horse with the, with, with how important this hire is because I think we all know, but um, you know, I think we, I think we got the right folks who are going to be vetting it and, and ultimately getting it done. Right, right, and just to uh, and there's not much, but you know, another another W in the win column. Yeah. You know, beating Rutgers. We spoke on it. You know, new uh, two OCs, interim OCs taking over, and I think we both didn't expect. You know, you can't expect. I know fans may yeah. you know not understand this. You can't expect a you know revolutionary revolutionary change in the offense. 
Uh, that's that's, that's off a day work. one install on 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 a Sunday walkthrough. Yeah. Like no. <laughs> but I, you know, as you said, they did what they had to do to win. Defense, kind of to your point of like anyone can kind of get got. You know, our defense. You know, Rutgers looked a lot. You know, improved from what they've they've been. They you know, they made out. some plays. Yeah, they did. I had to talk to a few, yeah, talking to a few coworkers of mine, the Rutgers fans, kind of speaking on that. I think they said between the top programs, us, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Rutgers faced them. There were about eight opportunities in the red zone that they've settled for field goals, or seven or eight opportunities. Yeah. And it kind of reminded yeah. me of where, you know, we're above that, but I was telling them, like, I understand your frustration because you see the talent and it's improved in the scheme and like the opportunities there, but you're not quite, you know, making those plays to score six or whatever it may be. And they're frustrated. But I'm like, look, I mean, I I can't say Penn state is too far ahead because we've, I've felt that frustration uh, because, you know, we're kind of not exactly where we want to be compared to uh, Ohio state and Michigan, but all in all to say Rutgers is getting better. There's a lot of teams getting better. And it, it will become a, you know, NFL mentality of any given Saturday, especially with this shifting going on. Transfer portal, yeah. every school's getting talent. I mean, I think that's something. I, that's something I think we may need to take a, a, a deeper look at for ourselves this this off season. Yeah, the transfer portal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in terms of leveraging it. Yeah, leveraging it in our hand. I mean, guys. I'm not going to speak into existence, but guys are going to move. Yeah. You know, they're going to leave us, going to come to us. But I think we need to make a conscious effort of going out and trying to secure, you know, some some X factors. Yeah, well, I know it's been said. I know it's been said. I mean, it, it is unrestricted free agency, right? So it's like I'm not coming up with a novelty phrase there, but it is what it is. And and we were talking about it. Like, I mean, if Caleb Williams, for some batshit crazy reason, decided to stay in college football, like if, if I was Caleb Williams or if I was somebody who had Caleb's ear, I'd be like, dude, throw your name in the portal. Like, you can come back. Right. But throw your name in the portal and see if someone's going to pay you 15 million bucks to come play quarterback next year if you really want to play college football. And if it's a program that can that can go out and compete for a national championship, all the better. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. Whatever. You've already shown you can move and be an immediate impact player. So just go do it. Right. You know? um, hey, that's a bold hot take from, from Hank right there. Hey, I, I, I mean, like it, though. You know, I, I said this back when Bryce Young won his – when he was a sophomore at Alabama. Like, when he won his natty. I, I, if I was Bryce, I was like, shoot, the, the, uh, the capitalist economic side of me is like, Nick, <laughs> I love you, brother. If you pay me, I'll be back, but I'm going to the portal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I got to test these waters. Um, so I think that's that the NCAA or whatever this whole thing becomes needs to take a look at because that is, I mean, it is truly something. I, I know some co- some coaches have voiced their opinion about it publicly. It, it is going to be a problem, um, and you can't – there's got to be parameters. It just can't be right. Um, right. It's, I think it's going to be really interesting this year just with the landscape of college football and how everything's shaken out. I know we've had crazy portal experiences in its infant, in its young young life, but mm-hmm. I think there's only going to be more and more of those. Um, but to touch on what you said about Rutgers, let's just get into that fully now. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I said it in the mailbag, like it was about what I expected, like to your point. And it wasn't even like they had one offensive coordinator. They had co-offensive coordinators. Right. When you get into that game, then you got to start feeling like I know Ty was up in the box and Juwan was down on the sideline. Like you got to start seeing, you know, who's going to, who's going to be the decision maker is Ty just working like two, two or three plays ahead and Juwan folks like mm-hmm. focusing on the task at hand. Like there's, there's a dance that goes with that as well. And you can't practice that. You can try, but it really doesn't work with the pressure and, and, and the shot clock running down and all this stuff. So it's like, you know, the the little tussle in the first half was about what I expected. I, I you know, would have loved to have seen some more explosiveness in some ways. But, you know, ultimately it shook out the way I think it was going to shake out. We were, shake out. We were supposed to beat them. Defense made a couple plays, gave us some short fields. We took advantage and um, – you know, I thought uh, I thought I thought Bo looked pretty good. You know, he got his chance. I know Drew got dinged up, but Bo got his chance, uh, specifically running the football. And I think that's a great, great little change up, and it's going to be something that's going to be really interesting to pay attention to because I know that was a point that was coming into the year. Bo here was that he was going to be more involved. It really didn't come to fruition, and now, you know, both both prior to Drew getting hurt and after Drew got hurt, you know, the kid, the kid got some burn and he did some good things. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got to keep in mind as fans, you know, I see a lot of people turning their back on Drew and, and it happens to every kid. I mean, you went through it and it doesn't really matter who's at the helm, but there's a learning curve for everyone. I know we talked about that curve, you know, being shortened in today's world as far as giving kids time, but even with Bo, you know, there's a learning curve that comes with his, you know, development as well. And, you know, may not show his head yet, but when the time comes, you know, just understand that these kids are kids. And I know people are going to talk about this, right? And it's, you know, Coach Franklin said that Drew's going to be ready to play or he expects Drew to be ready to play this week during his presser. Yeah, Drew, get your your behind down, man. Slide. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) But um, there's some – there's there's probably a contingency of Penn State fans out there that are saying, you know, hey, let Drew spin or let let Bo spin. You know, it's it's right. fun to see what he's got. It's just so difficult. Like, there's been so many changes already this year with with uh, offensive staff personnel. You know, with Yersich being fired, and it's I said it. Quarterback's most dependent position in sports. You may see a flash in the pan right now and want to run to it, but at the end of the day the overall experience of Drew this year is much more valuable than the immediate gratification of Bo going out there and running around a little bit. You still need to play within a system to be able to win, win big games at that position. You still need to understand the bigness of things. And there would be a massive learning curve for Bo at this point. Um, you know, maybe another hot take. I, I think this spring's going to be really interesting with that whole thing. Um, but We'll see how it plays out. You got, um, you got the um, the Grudemeyer kid enrolling early too. Yeah, I just saw. Yeah, so well, I mean, I mean, I think the spring's going to be really interesting. I think I think Drew is is obviously at an advantage, haven't played, um, but I think that there's some work to do, and uh, I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to that room specifically this off season at Penn State, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because we got. You know, we got some. We still got some work to do, but um, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be something that everyone's gonna have their eyes on, and I would not be surprised if it's 
it's similar to how last year entered the season if if people are catching my drift. Yeah, yeah. Hey, competition breeds the best product. But uh, as you said, there's still a lot of football left. And we got, you know, the guy, the boys heading down to Detroit, going against Michigan State, as you touched on, the neutral site, uh, battling for the land-grant trophy. It's at stake. It is at stake. Yeah, rivalry <laughs> week, dude. I um, I want to get your take on this. I like mm-hmm. – I, I, I get the tradition of it. You know, I think it's what, Minnesota and and Purdue? Michigan State – is Purdue is Purdue a trophy game for us too? I don't think so. Oh, I mean, uh, no, 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 yeah. It's, uh, I'm saying Minnesota and Michigan State are, are two of our trophy games. Yeah. Um, right. I just I don't remember it ever being like a big focal point, um, and I wish it was when I was there. Yeah. I guess it depends if it ever was at Penn State. We should have asked Adam that. Um, yeah. That would have been a good question because, I mean, if it was like a lineage thing where it's – but to your point, yeah, I don't remember it being spoken about. It's like, yeah, we can win this, bring this trophy back. Sure, I got a picture holding it, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's not – I think it's the whole unrivaled thing. I'm not sure if there's that much hostility between – I mean, everyone – I feel like everyone hates us to a certain degree, at least on the player-wise, not like fans and stuff. Hey, it's because they ain't. It's um, they ain't. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I feel like Michigan State, there's not that much smoke. Maybe, uh, I don't know. I feel like there's it's always a good game. Like there is more more animosity with, like, the Michigans and the Ohio States. Which oh, is funny. For sure. For sure. And they'll never admit that because they have their own rivalry. But they they definitely, you know, seek to to shut us up every year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Land-grant trophy, I mean, it's cool. To me, it's just, like you said, another opportunity to get a dub, improve, you know. It's another – you only get so many opportunities to step out in the blue and white, and this is the last one in the regular season, you know. And as you know, health-wise, it could be your last one ever. So I'm looking for guys to cut loose. You know, that's always what I loved about last games of the year. You know, you got weeks, you know, a month to get healthy, so just cut loose, fly around. You know, I was always throwing my body around. Probably why I feel like crap now, but <laughs> cut loose, you know, a chance to see that explosiveness. There's nothing, there's nothing to lose in my opinion. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's another, it's another game where we're favored, right? And like a should win yeah. for Penn State. And that's a positive that I've hung my hat on this year is that, yeah, we've, we've had our moments of like, what, what are we doing, you know, in a, in a, in a thumb war with this team, but it's another, it's another chance for us to, to do what we're supposed to do. A. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, to your point, like <laughs> cut loose, all that. I just need to see growth from the offensive yeah. side, right? Like that's something that we never really saw with your all year. It was kind of a lot of stagnant stagnicity, if that's even mm-hmm. a word. It is now. I like heard it right here. It sounds crazy. Um, but, uh, especially early in the year, we were, you know, playing Delaware and we were doing this. We started off with West Virginia hot, but like you never really saw a ton of growth. Like I thought mm-hmm. that we did and executed what we were going to execute. And then when we had chances to do something more, we really never did it. So I kind of want to see that this, this week, especially for Ty and Juwan heading into bowl prep. Like you said, you're going to have a month to prepare for whomever the next opponent is, which we got a ton of suggestions from the mailbag. And I think I'm going to the gun with that because I want to really dive into a few of them after next week shakes out. Um, but um, 
yeah, I just need to see like some type of momentum and rhythm that these guys as a unit can carry into bull prep week. It's always, you know, fun to kind of reset, do some self scout, but you really get a chance to, to, to solidify what given the time frame, which is not a lot, like you said, right. you're going to be able to start getting see Ty and Juwan put their, put their little sprinkles on what has already been established and get some type of rhythm and identity and, and improvement and momentum, right? Like we talked right. about momentum, confidence, and breed it into these guys heading into what what I said. If if it all shakes out, it's going to be a it's going to be a really good opportunity for all all uh, people involved. So, yeah. And with that being said, I kind of have a question for you. And a little, not I wouldn't call it a curveball, but I know we've talked about our defense all year, and Manny Diaz has done a great job. And I know we'll get to him in the mailbag, but where does he go from here as far as the defensive coordinator at Penn state? Because I think Manny. Yeah. And I'm not saying to change the identity. We've talked about it. We love it. But a certain part of me is, is when that big game comes, new year's six uh, game, you know, still got to beat Michigan state, but yeah, I think there'll be a really good quarterback we're playing against. And I think that's where we could get beat. And we've seen it throughout the season. Like I said, we're not perfect. But there's plays that we made against an aggressive defense. How do you kind of combat that? Because the team, whoever we face in the bowl game, is going to have a month to prepare as well. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm looking for growth, but a certain maybe a change up or I don't want I don't want to be too consistent on defense. If that's if you're catching. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I think that there's definitely an element of self scout that that is going to take place. Like I said, you know, we you and I have both been in bowl prep. There Mm -hmm. is good portion of self-scout tendency breakers. You, you have the GAs working all night long, putting together, you know, percentages, whether it's formational checks or formational tendencies that you do. Um, and you want to try to break those. But I, I will say this. I think for the most part, our, our defensive backfield and our secondary has done a hell of a job. I mean, when you talk about the tests at mm-hmm. quarterback that we faced, you know, Ohio State, you could say that. I think Kyle McCord's an explosive kid. Adam Brenneman just posted this video. I I, love, I think how can you argue what he's been doing all year? You know, they right. he's got a top two program they've won in the country. Um, so you know, hey, whatever. But um, I mean, really outside of outside of Marvin Harrison getting loose on a couple of plays, you know, he kept that we kept him in check. And then JJ, I mean, Michigan tipped yeah. their hand. He knew they couldn't drop JJ back because yeah. our defense. I was proud of that. I said that going in that I didn't want this to become like his Heisman breakout game against us, and it dang sure didn't. Yeah, uh, we had to prove that. Yeah, I mean, he made a couple of plays with his legs, and whatever. But there's, there's those things were even preventable. You know, right. that's gap sound and and staying in, staying in your lanes and being, you know, being disciplined. But. um yeah, I mean, I think I think that there's definitely a portion of that. I think being able to disguise a few things, you know, we've we've been a big you know corner blitz guy, corner blitz team in some big situations. It paid off for us. Well, we we sent two, we got burned on one. They picked it up, but then we got yeah. we hit on it. So there's some things that we do that are kind of, I guess you could say, unorthodox in ways. I think Manny goes back and self scouts it and does some things, but they got a great staff over there too. So yeah. you know, I think that. I think they're going to get creative with some things. They, he may have a few tricks up his sleeve with all that time, you know, watching, watching NFL ball, going through things that he may throw in there. 
Um, but but our team, that side of our ball is so athletic. Right. You know, you can get away with so many things. And right. You can disguise things so well. They can cover so much ground at the snap. So I just really think that he's gonna he's gonna still be who he is. Like he's gonna be right. aggressive. But I think it's just to your point, like changing the presentation and being yeah. conscious of the tendencies that you may have displayed all year. Yeah. And that's, that's where I – and it's just me because I know my style of defense. I'm not sure if I would have thrived in his game, which is not for me, so it doesn't matter. But I would love to see this super athletic defense that we're talking to these guys kind of read and react a little more, especially on the back end because our DBs are so good. They have a chance to kind of have eyes on a quarterback. I think there will be more opportunities for interceptions, a little more, you know, zone packages that – I mean, let the, let the front four rush – let everybody else have eyes and break on the ball because I think I think it would be dangerous either way. But, I mean, attacking, you're never wrong with attacking and putting a defense on their heels. Well, the advantage, too, is, is, I mean, you can expect that if the quarterback has more than two and a half seconds, two seconds, really, to throw the football, he's either escaped out of the back of the pocket and running for his life yeah. and cuts the field in <laughs> half. So, like, I think our DBs have gotten uh, – testament to them there's a timing mechanism that goes with that right yeah. like they're, they're in their backpedal and they're like all right like ball's got to be out right. so you know there's no like insane drops covering guys so like, right. they, I think they naturally play with that and that's 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 the beautiful right. thing about the front we have and and what we do um and i think it gives them a lot of opportunity so if you have a team that is pass happy we can make them one dimensional. Right. You know, I think it just feeds into to us being able to eat, and and that's something that you know really kind of got us in Michigan. I mean, Michigan yeah. Michigan was able to be efficient running the football. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. um, it, it didn't help that we didn't have a pulse on offense. But I think that that's that's a big that's a big uh, that's a big factor. Yeah, and I think we kind of saw that this week against Rutgers the interception from uh, the safety Kevin. Uh, Winston, hell of a play, hell of an athlete. Kid looks good. Looks like a pro player. Uh, I'm not sure if it was in the, it was drawn up or he just reacted that way, which either one is great, but he buzzed the flat off the corner blitz straight yeah. into the interception. It was a beautiful, uh, beautiful breakdown. And it was, that's something, I don't know if, like I said, if that was a change up, um, or the kid just saw it, but that's, that's what I like to see out of the guys just being football players. And I think that was, um, Hopefully we get a little more of that. I mean, defense has been great, but I'm always, you know, I'm greedy. I want more. I want more, more interceptions. I want guys that have make more plays. I think that was his first career interception. He spoke about it. It was a great feeling, which I'm sure. I want him to get more. You know, stay up on your feet. Take it to the crib, baby. Yeah. Something I never did. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm – honestly, bro, I'm not worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. I'm just being greedy. Um, no, I know you are. I know you are. But I think I I, I fully expect it to be to be some good stuff. Um, and uh, with that, let's uh, let's get to our mailbag. And like I said, I apologize to everybody that threw out their bowl game pr- predictions. Yeah, I'll rattle off. I'll rattle off a few of them here at the end. But like I said, let's let's get a little bit more of a clear picture and maybe. Uh, 
maybe jump into two or three of these of these opponents and dive into them pretty heavy after after the conclusion of this Michigan State game. What's up, everybody? If you are a college football fan like me, if you know a college football fan that's in your life, you need to go cop this shirt. New designs dropping all the time. It's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. Great material, great fabric. I wear it all the time. Go get yours today. From X, uh, at we are to the top. When hiring a coordinator, how do you balance doing what is best for the program with re- rewarding the position coaches below an OC that you have been loyal to? Mm. How do you read that? I guess well, I read it as I read it as how do you balance um, promoting from within or hiring uh, outside? Okay. That's how I read it as. Okay. And that in that case, I mean, I don't have much, but I think it's as much as you love to hire from within, I don't it's hard to say what that person's, you know, resume or identity would be, you know. I I imagine interview goes, you know, what's your what's your system? What's your plan? What do you see? I think that would be kind of hard to do as a guy that's already been here. I mean, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe, you know, if you heck, you're the coach. You've been writing up your own playbook yeah. since waiting for that opportunity, you know, uh, but yeah. I don't know. It's tough. I'm, I'm never, I'm not sure how that works. I'm not going to lie. I'll say this. I think it's, I think it's, t- I think it all, I think the situation dictates that, right? Like, I think if we were in a different situation, if Mike Yersich was leaving to be the head coach at Texas A&M, um, because we were doing a fantastic job on offense. You know, I think the opportunity to hire from within becomes much more feasible. But due to this situation and, like I said, how I view it, the level the gravity of importance on this hire um, and not knocking either Ty. Like I said, Ty is my center. I would love for Ty yeah. to get the opportunity. Juwan, same thing. I just don't know how much, like, overall play calling experience either of those guys have. I, I know Ty did a little bit of it at uh, at uh, Western Illinois, um, but they just don't have what I would believe as the resume to dictate this position with the bigness of it. It would take a set of stones, in my opinion, for that. Um, and I think that the situation just dictates a much more veteran play caller with all of those things that I talked about, the confidence, right. the ability to instill that in the in the room and in the unit room as a whole. Um, and specifically, you know, deal with this quarterback situation they have and really groom groom whether it's Drew or whatever. I think it's, you know, for me, like I said, I, I got a lot of respect for what Drew's done and how he's dealt with the thing. So just just a system that – not even a system because, again, I hate that, but a guy who's going to put these guys in positions to be successful based upon what their skill set dictates. Um, so that's that's – with that question, I think that that answers it. I think in a different scenario right. – you know, being able to do that. And I don't think he, I don't think coach Franklin's going to hurt either of those guys feelings. Right. Like I think that they're going to do what they're going to, they're going to continue to do. They're going to keep coaching the hell out of their rooms and do a great job and, you know, be ready to um, be ready to, to continue to build their resume because they got, they got a lot longer uh, runway than us players do in terms of career, uh, career stability and, and growth. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, um, 
All right. Uh, what else we got? Let's go. Um, so from Joseph Tracy four, we kind of touched on this last week, but I, I think this bodes well into your question that you asked at the end of this. Never thought mm-hmm. Yersich was the man for the job. Okay. Now the new problem may be that Diaz becomes a head coach. Uh, do you have anything to elaborate on that? Because I, I mentioned I mentioned last last week that that could be a possibility that could cause a few voids in the staff that mm-hmm. then makes Coach Franklin's offseason a lot harder. Um, right. Do you have any indication, any vibe that Manny's really ready to, to make that move yet? Or, or, or is there something that, that is telling you that – He's going to stick around for, for another year or two. Honestly, I have no indication on either just from what I know. And I don't know Manny um, well at all. I've met him a few times. You know, my guy was Coach Pry. Um, kids love him, love the system, love the aggressiveness. And I just, for me, like I said, I have no reason to think this just outside of what I believe. Kind of his last taste of being a head coach I be, from what I see from the guy, I think he wants to right that wrong, you know. So I would, if the right opportunity uh, comes, I think he takes it. But at the same time, I don't know what that right opportunity looks like for him, you know, because I'm sure he got he's been getting offers since last year. Yeah. But yeah, you know, which I learned when um you know just being close to Coach Pry, you know, he was you know uh, up front with us. You know, he got offer from here and there, and he told us straight up, like, look, guys. I'm not looking to rebuild anything, you know, that type of deal. When the right one comes, the right one comes. So for Manny, I'm not sure what that looks like. But if it's it's coming soon, if it's not this year, which I hope it's not, or next year, hope he stays. Either way, I'm confident in the guys that are in the Penn State locker room uh, to, to get the job done. As you said, defense has always been a pretty staple. And it's just, it's funny thing, beginning of the season, you know, D-line this and People weren't sure about this, and now it's like, please, please, Manny, don't go, don't go. So yeah, I'm I'm say this. I will say this. Unlike uh, what I would say as the offensive side of the ball, if, if Manny does leave, that he's he's going to go to a to your point, a situation that's good, and I think that situation dictates it. And you know, just just a guy that I have a lot of personal respect for. Uh, recruited me at Virginia when I was coming out and he's, he's waiting in there as Anthony Poindexter has some experience. Mm-hmm. You know, people thought that he may have been the next guy once, once pride left, um, mm-hmm. been there, but he also had the opportunity to possibly take the Virginia job, which is his alma mater. So, um, but I think that they have a, not just him, but I think they have a few guys on that side of the ball that could step in and, and do it, do a good job. Um, right. and again, that it's a different situation. You know what but I mean? That goes right back to the offensive situation you just spoke on. You yeah. know, if he goes somewhere, it's 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 definitely it's easier to look within if that's the case. And I feel what you're saying now. That's a perfect representation. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so yeah. Um all right. This is a good one, B, because this kind of goes back to what I hinted at with all those buzzwords and stuff that people are throwing around. And this was the, this was one that I was really excited about when I saw it today. Um, at Papa John eight one four, hack. Walk us through how this RPO look at the beginning of what feels like every play we we, we run works, mm-hmm. and how it survived like three to four OCs. 
It looks like it kills the play development and distracts the QB from going eyes up and making a clean read slash progression. Would love to cut it up. Or would love to cut it. So he wants mm-hmm. he wants it out. <laughs> um so I'll jump in B and I'll let you I'll let yeah. you I don't got much. Um I don't have much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're a defensive guy. Yeah. <laughs> so um I think that this whole RPO world and there's a bunch of different things and lingo that all these people use. Like it's a buzzword, man. And the RPO stands for run pass option. It's um, leveraged in a lot of our run game because it essentially serves as an extension of the run game. If the defense is trying to add a, add a hat to the box, right? Like I've said this before, football is a very simple game. When you dissect it, it's numbers leverage to matchups, right? eight guys in the box, you got a six or seven man blocking surface, someone's unblocked, how do you handle that? Do you handle it with a naked? Do you now in today's game, a lot of it is uh, handling it with leaving the guy unblocked, reading him to either pull it and run or in the RPO case, um, reading uh, the extra hat outside of the front seven um, who's going to either insert themselves in their run fit and be able to make some type of horizontal stretch type pass play to to defeat it or to defeat it. So when you say that the RPO is part of every single play that we run, it's not. I think our play action game and the play action game in general out of shotgun is is really weak because it doesn't present I what I believe and B, maybe you can jump in here as a very good run run action for the second level defenders, which is who you're trying to affect in the play action game, right? So to answer the question, I want to separate RPO from play action and token fakes and all this stuff, right? Um, RPO, I think, is a great tool. I think it's cheating, personally. I think it's cheating. Um, especially when you start getting some linemen downfield no, and so on. Don't so get me started. I don't know about that. They're calling it. They're getting better at calling it, but it's cheating. Um, but it's a different way to skin a cat, right? In, in old school pro style systems, you know, oftentimes you counteracted this with the naked game, right? Where if, even if you got in a 12 personnel with two tight ends and a bigger, bigger blocking surface, seven, seven man blocking surface, you would just leave the defensive end unblocked. Your tight ends would climb to the second level defenders. And basically if that defensive end was starting to get too nosy, you'd call a naked, get out the edge and throw something in the flat, whatever. So there's lots of ways to skin the cat. Um, I think it's integral to me. It's just a very, very small piece in a lot of these systems that are going on to answer your question, I would get rid of the shotgun play action because I, I don't think it does anything. It, and maybe to this, this Papa John's point here, um, the quarterback may be spending too much time giving a fake that may or may not really be that much of a fake for a linebacker who's trying to run. Like, I believe that still to this day, Hard run action fakes out of under center are the toughest to defend. It affects the most people, um, and it gives your receivers and tight ends or whoever else you're trying to get out in the route the most advantageous look. And it it takes a special talent. Like it's not being coached because these kids are in shotgun from the time they can they, they start playing football now. But um, you know if that's going to be part of your game, I think under center hard ball action fakes, pulling guards, all this stuff that the people that you can do with protection when the quarterback turns his back and extends the football um, really does what it's supposed to do. So kind of, kind of splitting these things up into two different, two different pockets here. 
I think the RPO is great for when it's being used. If you're using it to leverage with access throws to the outside, bubble screens, whatever, um, even some slant games and even glance games now. But when you're talking about true play action, yes, I think any type of token fake out of gun that may look like a run pass option to the average person watching, um, to me, kind of screws with the quarterback a little bit and really doesn't do what it is intended to do. Right. Right. And I'll jump in. I can elaborate on that all night. (laughs) (laughs) From the defensive Uh, standpoint, as a second-level defender, linebacker, you hit the nail right on the head. You know, what are you doing to affect – these guys and I'm right with you with the stand or traditional hard play action is what gets guys moving. You know, it's what we're taught is to read, you know, play action is elephants on wheels. You know, are you hearing the pads, you know, bang to where it's like, okay, run pass. I didn't make that decision. Now, if I'm not hearing clang, clang up front, then I know it's a pass. And I think with that shotgun play action, you're not getting that hard, you know, you know, zone right or power, whatever run fake you're uh, trying to accomplish, you're not getting that. So me, I'm not moving, you know, which is you're not creating space that way. You know, I'm going to see tight ends. I'm going to see running backs out the back for whatever it may be. And back to the kind of RPO, I'm not a, a fond of it. I'm not fond of it if you're not going to tell the kid to keep it or have the kid keep it. And I know Drew is not the most athletic but I think just like we run, we have run plays for him. I think we need to tell him to keep it or, I don't know, drill it. Keep it every well, now and then. Keep that guy but, out. I mean, even that, but that's the thing is, like, keeping it isn't part of the RPO. That's just a pure read option, man. <clears throat> like, right. like, run, pass, option. Yeah. Right. There's a pass element to that. So he's not really keeping it. Right. If he pulls it, like he's throwing it. Right. So that's why I said, like, you need to delineate a lot of these things. And yes, I agree with you. Like if there's going to be a read option element to this, which is really just the new school triple option, right? Where, you know, we had, you watched army and Navy run it for years and now that's going out even, but (laughs) school triple option was really hard to defend because you Mm -hmm. had to have multiple layers of your defense be extremely disciplined. Very hard play in, play out for 75 snaps a game, extremely hard to do. Now they're doing it out of gun with all these other things. So, like, yes, the quarterback does need to pull it. That's kind of how you handle the edge guys. Now when you're trying to start say, okay, this safety that rotates down, if he starts getting nosy, we're going to throw a glance off his ear. Like, that's the run pass option side right. of things. You simplify it because it's literally if then. So yeah. if, that guy, if that guy stays, I'm handing the football off because essentially I delayed him from his run fit. Mm-hmm. So now – if it has to bounce to him, it's still a three or four yard game. Right. Great, efficient, we're on schedule, keep it moving. If he dives hard, I'm pulling this and replacing him with the throw. Right, right. So, yeah. And it's not like we're reading progressions. It's just like the receiver's running the green grass and you go. So it doesn't affect any of the quarterback's reads. Like you're literally focusing on the read once the ball snaps. So right. it's not going to screw with things. So that's why I said, like, I think you have the, the read option, the run pass option, and then you have your, your play action game. Which, again, like I said, even if you're an undisciplined linebacker and you're not listening and you're not mm-hmm. watching your hats and your pad level and guards pulling and stuff like that, you're not reading your keys. If you're a guy who's just got your eyes in the backfield, like if a quarterback just goes here, it's you're seeing the football the yeah. whole time. It's yeah. very easy to see what he's doing. So, yeah. No, sorry. No, no, no. You're, you, uh, you corrected me. Definitely. I'm thinking more of the, uh, this, the yeah. read part of aspect of it. 
which is the first like part. Like yeah. zone read where he was yeah. torching motherfuckers with yeah. Steve Slayton. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that end has to respect it. I've, I've, I've watched too many games. The end is just crashing and catching our guy on the backside. And it's like they're not respecting yeah. at all. And why would you? You know, go get a, go yeah. get, go get a tackle for loss. So a huge part of the zone run game is if flow rips over the backside a gap mm. is where the ball is right, supposed to it. hit. Mm. So once you flow, boom, and who's who's responsible for that backside a gap? The backside end. Yeah. So again, that's where you start seeing seeing everything work um, in unison, and then you've got guys who start crack replacing with the linebacker. Like, mm. there's a whole bunch of like punch counter punch and how to read and what to do, but it's like you start layering all these things in, you have to understand that when you're talking run pass option, oftentimes it's a singular person. It's not going to really affect the timing of a progression. It's not like you're, you're running like a concept football out there. Like it's like, I'm literally replacing this guy with a stick, with a slant, with Mm. a bubble, with a screen outside. Like it's a very, very, it's very, very vanilla because there's just not enough time and space to be able to do that. And be legal because literally your front your, yeah. your linemen running zone like yeah. they're they're coming off their double teams and climbing to the second level. So there's just a lot that goes into it. So good question, though. good question. Yeah, I thought that was a great question. So Papa John eight one four John. <laughs> Love um, any more on here that aren't bowl game related? Nah. Um. Well, Jonathan Coker, our guy, our guy Jonathan B. Coker. Um, uh, thoughts versus Rutgers. Figure, figured we would be run heavy given the new OCs. Also hoping Aller is healthy enough to play next week. Not really a question, but could you elaborate more on why Bo is, is better situated at second string and, Al, and Aller as the starter gives us the best chance to win? I mean, I kind of leave this simple as I know it's easy when a player often struggles to just, you know, let's give this kid a shot, which, you know, is warranted sometimes. But you got to remember there's 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 training camp, there's mini camp for a reason. And you trust that the best player that the team has decided to, you know, put out there is is taking the reps for a reason, you know, Um now, if it's a super close battle, I think maybe we see two guys on the field more or both guys play more at once. But all in all, they're both really young guys. So I think it was probably clear cut during camp that who gave the team the best chance to win. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm i not a big fan of the two quarterback system. I think it's it's really hard to win at a championship level with that. I think you need a guy. Um, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying, like with the offensive coordinator and like throwing the system thought out of this because really good coordinators don't stuff square pegs in the round holes. They, they, they see what they have. They see the guy they trust the most. Yeah. And then you build around what they do best. Right. Um, and uh, they put they put them in positions to be successful consistently. So I think ultimately they found that with Drew. I think there's an element that Bo brings that's very interesting and intriguing. And you know, again, we'll just have to see how everything develops throughout the year. But or throughout throughout their careers, there it's not really year. It's mm-hmm. you know next two three years. But um, 
usually the best guy is, is yeah. the team. The guy that the, the coaching staff trusts the most is who they roll out there. So I think that's, that's a big word, just trust. And that goes all sides of the ball, any position. I learned that myself when I thought I should be getting more tick as a young linebacker. And it didn't. Now I forget how, but it dawned on me. It's like, you know, do they trust you to, you know, run the call, do it right, make the play when it's there, do what you're supposed to do. And that goes for any any young player, any coaches listening out there, hopefully some young guys listening. Because everybody feels like they should be on the field, which I get. But can you be trusted to to do what's yeah. called, run the, you know, run the plan and execute it? And that's that's ultimately usually what it's what it's all about. No from the coach's perspective. No doubt. So with that, uh, I'll rattle off a couple teams that people are talking about. I'm hearing Ole Miss. I'm hearing Oregon. Heard somebody throw Bama out there. Uh, Washington. Um, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. Citrus Bowl, Fiesta Bowl. You know, let's like I said, I, I jumped the gun. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. I don't know too um, much of how which game gets decided, but I'll just shoot out there. I wouldn't mind uh, once again defensively. I wouldn't mind going against Oregon. I'd like to see our defense up against something like that. They've been you know, they got one loss to Washington, but that would be fun to watch. Bo Nix, his eighth year in, in college football, he's he's on fire right now. And they've got pretty explosive uh, offense, so I'd like to see our defense up against that challenge. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't even know at this point. But any I think any of those programs would again just from an opportunity and optics standpoint be great for 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 coach Franklin for this offensive unit and then again to your point for the defensive unit to continue to do what they've been able to do against two of the best programs in the country and then you know the rest of the Big 10. Um you know, I just I want to see us <clears throat> rise to the occasion to make this whole thing full circle. I want to see us rise to the occasion. Um, And this is going to be a great opportunity to do so on a, on a, on a massive stage. So um, with that be, dude, I think that's a wrap. Another good pod, man. Good pod. I appreciate all the love everyone sent us um, throughout this whole year, but last episode, I guess that was a good one. You know, I'll take it. Um, And I appreciate Adam coming on, man. Let, letting you guys know we're, as you said, this is like for the Letterman, you know. Open it up to you guys. Let us know. Hit us up. We know we'll figure something out. Love to hear your stories. You know, definitely want to hear more from the guys. You know, beyond our time, as we kind of you know branch out and you know kind of you know meet those guys and get to know their stories a little bit more. That's, that's something I look forward to. So, gonna get more no, of that no in the pocket. You know, you know, hack no it doubt. up. Yeah, dude, I'm always good. Good for some story time over a beer or two. Um, B, you mentioned something great. You know, we got some just like these guys. These guys after this week are going to be heading into bowl prep. We are as well. Uh, fans, you got any suggestions for us for topics that are maybe outside the box? There's a little dead period. Not going to have too much ball on. Um, shoot them our way. You know, definitely open for it. Maybe some suggestions on some guests. Uh, we have a couple lined up, but uh, definitely open for all that. So hit our DMs, uh, hit Mercury, hit State Media. Up. And as always, like, subscribe, wherever you guys are listening and taking all of this information in. We greatly appreciate it. We also have the merch. Check out, check us out at Mercury. Um, support the pod. Uh, get you some pocket. Get you some pocket gear. Um, and uh, 
we'll see you guys next week. And hopefully we're we're a ten and two ball club, <laughs> ripping and roaring into a new New Year's Six Bowl. And I, I'm pretty confident that's going to be the case. So, um, for Christian Hackberg and Brandon Bell, we're out. Appreciate Peace. it.